Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard, brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And as we roll into mid-September, it's another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. How is the general contracting business, Donnie? You know, I can't get materials, labor shortages, you know, but things are great. Aside, uh, aside from, from that, that yep. everything is perfect. Well, what we talk about is your house and having a general contractor as your host greatly helps because we can talk about all parts of your house, the roof, the basement, the walls, the inside, the outside, windows, siding, things that aren't directly related or attached to your house, like swimming pools and grills and stuff. The best thing to do is start the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got links to past shows. So however you want to listen to them, in a podcast form, we've got like uh, 100 hours yeah, worth of shows. Something like that. Right there, you can find that link. We've also got YouTube videos. Oh, and the Facebook page. And Donnie takes care of that. And you've even got, I see right here, some updates on the Facebook page. Yeah, I put a cool article out this week. And uh, I saw where L.A. approved something through, through their city council that they would have 100% clean energy by 2035. And the reason that's important is because that's about 10 years ahead of their original target date. If they can pull this off, I'll be interested to see how they do it. And they have claimed that they will be the model for the rest of the country to follow. So the article is saying that they're going to basically require all energy come from wind, yes. solar, battery storage, water. gerbils on wheels and stuff. <laughs> yep. So no coal, no nuclear, exactly. no gas turbines. OK, that's the goal. Read the article. And then you can make an opinion for yourself if That's you it. think they're going to actually meet it or move the goalpost down later. Now, today's show, we have a special guest on, and it doesn't seem at first when you hear about him that this is based on your house or contracting, but it is, Donnie. You want to introduce your guest? So we're bringing back a recurring guest that we had last year. Uh, today, we have Dr. David Peden. He's the Senior Associate Dean of Translational Research at UNC. And um, Dr. Peden is uh, very well versed in immunology and just really shed some light on the truths for what is going on around us right now with the COVID situation. And uh, like Eric mentioned, even though this isn't a construction-related topic, we feel like it does tie in in terms of homeowners and contractors occupying the same spaces. And uh, Dr. Peden, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us your time today. Appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Sure. Uh, Dr. Peden worked with Dr. Fauci at the NIH before he moved to North Carolina. And uh, when he told me that, I just knew that he had a wealth of information that he could share. And I thought giving him our platform with the contractor show would just be wise and give everybody some good insight. And I hate to say straight from the horse's mouth, but that's pretty much what it is when we have all these unreliable news resources coming from every direction. Dr. Peden, can you give some insight or some advice on how homeowners and contractors can work in the same space safely without uh, the chance of any kind of virus transmission of any kind, not just COVID? Well, sure. So first of all, it works best when everyone is vaccinated. So if you're a contractor, I would strongly suggest and, and endorse that you uh, that you be uh, immunized with with one of the three available vaccines, uh, either the Moderna, the Pfizer, or the J&J vaccine. They have all been shown to be effective, at least in the initial term. Uh, we can have a discussion, uh, I suspect we will later, about booster shots, but it clearly conveys protection. And that that's item number one. I can't urge that enough. Uh, unless you have a, an actual historic bad reaction with a vaccine. And even then, it's worth talking with your physician about it so that you can uh, be sure that the reaction you had really represents a dangerous reaction versus an uncomfortable reaction. Getting vaccinated is absolutely step one. 
Now, the steps we took prior to that are still good steps. Mm-hmm. Wearing a mask will be helpful to you because, one, it will also offer some protection from virus uh, when you're, uh, if the person you're working with happens to be infected and doesn't know it. And also, if you happen to be infected, even with a mild case and, and don't know it, it will protect them from you a little bit as well. So it, it, it's two-way protection there. So vaccines and masks are, remain the most important thing. Now, there are some other things you can do to minimize your exposures as well. You know, the CDC defines uh, high-risk exposures being within six feet of somebody for 15 minutes, and it subsequently, find, you know, you find out that they were infected. Mm. So if you're working in somebody's home and that person has a job that they need for you to do, ideally, once you've made your, you know, your introduction and you've done whatever business dealing you need to do, and I would argue much of that could still be at six-foot distance, I mean, you know, except for maybe signing a document or something. Then once you do that, hopefully they will stay six feet away. You know, I, I, I have to guess if you're a contractor, you're hoping they stay more than six feet away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Costs extra if you want to stand close to the contractor. I envision the scenario where maybe somebody elderly uh, all of a sudden needs handicapped accessibility in their house. And of course, with their, them being elderly, uh, most of those folks have had the vaccine. But um, just a situation could unfold where you've got two or three workers coming into your house and they're going back and living their lives and then coming back the next day. In a situation like that, would you advise them just to get another place to live temporarily? Frankly, if the contractors are all vaccinated and if the person has a place to be while the work is being done, Mm -hmm. I'm going to argue for any high degree of contracting, if you have another place to be, you're probably better off not to be in the middle of it. But if that's not realistic for you, you stay in your bedroom, you stay in a place to watch TV. And as long as you're really in a different room and the face-to-face interaction is pretty minimal, that's not that much different than being two aisles away from somebody in a grocery store. For the elderly person, I would recommend wearing a mask. And in that circumstance, for the customer, uh, when people do have breakthrough infections that, that that have some degree of symptomatology, the very rare people who are vaccinated that have had more severe disease tended to be elderly people. I would ask them to stay physically in another place, let your workmen be where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be mindful of, of, of wearing stuff. And, and if you're going to protect that individual, they should wear a mask. Even if you're vaccinated, uh, less important, frankly, than if you're unvaccinated, I personally would have a difficult time unless I simply vacated my premises having, I mean, I, I don't, I can't say that I ask people if they've had the vaccine uh, when they come work on the house because we usually are, you know, we, we, we go or we're doing something else. But, uh, uh, you know, you offer the maximal protection to you and the customer if you're vaccinated. You've got the uh, brass doorknob, yeah. bronze doorknobs. <laughs> Brass fixtures, you're set. I'm as set as you can be, but biology is what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, so the maximization protection, the things you just mentioned are great, but I would also, uh, I can't urge enough the value of the vaccines. Well, I'll tell you what, doctor, I had a water heater, not a hot water heater, but a water heater installed in my house in December. And to play it safe while the contractor was there, I went to Hooters. I just, you know. Safety first, at least top three for me. All right, doctor, I have another question for you. Talking about the inside of your house, uh, we talked about this off the air and you had not read it yet, but the Centers for Disease Control came out with a report saying that a good ventilation system inside a building is actually more effective than a mask by itself. Do you have an opinion on ventilation systems and their effectiveness at keeping viruses at bay? The more ventilation you have, the better you are. I mean, that's actually a real, you know, in intensive care units, we have special rooms that are highly ventilated and we actually have negative pressure rooms where the air pressure inside the patient's room is slightly lower than the air pressure in the rest of the hospital. That's so that air goes into the room so that the infected patient stuff doesn't come out. Mm. So ventilation is a real, it, it can be a very helpful thing. That's why airplanes 
you know, the, the, the issue with being in an airplane is not that the air isn't, isn't ventilated. It's actually recirculated and cleaned fairly often. So you have a bunch of people in a confined space. Right. Uh, but if you're going to be in a confined space, that kind of air recirculation uh, through cleaning apparatus is, is useful. So the science that the CDC offers is, is, is extremely sound. I mean, I, 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 just on general principles. And even without reading that report, we know a lot about ventilation. And there's no question that regularly reused air that's not vented out. Uh, that's what, you know, when in homes that have that are too tight and don't have good ventilation, that's why the air sometimes is stale and, and, and it seems stuffy. But the viral facts are is that is that the more the air is ventilated and you replenish, uh, you know, a used air with, with, with replenished uh, outdoor or, or fresh air, uh, the better it will be. So there is no question in my mind, improved indoor ventilation is useful, period. No, no, no question about that whatsoever. You know, I, without reading the report, I can very easily imagine that in a highly reventilated place, the amount of virus that's present in the air for someone to pick up, I could imagine that protection is probably compared head to head with mask might be a bit better. That should not be taken as don't wear masks, especially in the context of you're a contractor going into somebody else's home and you're not living there and you don't have to be there for days on end. Family risk is different. You know, I, I'm not suggesting that people wear masks around their family unless you have a known sick person that, you know, during the time that they're ill. So I, I wouldn't take it that, you, that this is a permission not to use a mask. We know masks are useful, and if cleaning the air is even more useful, that's an even better advance. So that's that's how I would do that. Hey, doctor, I don't want to move away from construction and ventilation, but I know one thing that's probably the most significant uh, thing that's happened since you were on the program last, besides the vaccine, is the FDA approval. Uh, do you have any light to shed on that? Let's talk a little bit about what approval versus emergency use authorization means, because uh, I think people are really hung up on those two versions of the FDA uh, reassuring the public that a, that a product is safe to use and that it could be used in certain circumstances. I think people are wondering why the FDA didn't approve things sooner. And and part of the approval process, some of it depends on the specific drug and the and the, the amount of time that a large tested population has been exposed to drug and have been monitored for a period of time. Any drug, whether it's a drug you take, whether it's a vaccine, most clinical trials involve a period of time where people are followed for a, a very long period of time. And the FDA approvals are based on the data that they're able to review and the data that they review and having been involved in, uh, I'm actually an advisor to the FDA. So full disclosure, I'm the chair of the Allergenic Products Advisory Committee. I've also been a, an investigator on FDA regulated studies. They want a lot of information, not just the information specific to the action of the, of the medicine they're, they're testing. And part of that is so they can get as good a signal as possible that they feel confident that the risk-benefit ratio for any drug is worthwhile. So an emergency use authorization, it recognizes a public health urgency. So for instance, a cancer drug that's unique to a certain kind of cancer and it's a big breakthrough and there are people that are going to definitely, they're not going to survive the, you know, long enough to get the study results. So the FDA may say, we're not going to offer full approval yet because there may be things we don't know. But for these people, or in this case, it was the whole country, we know that using this drug is almost certainly going to be a lot better than not using it until we're super, super, super sure that it's going to be safe. So in that case, we made a judgment that we're going to offer an emergency use authorization. That's mm -hmm. what the words mean. It does not mean data were not reviewed. It absolutely doesn't mean that. It means every scrap of data for the time frame that the drug, that the material had been given to a person was reviewed over and over and over again. You know, and it was looked at statistically. It was looked at uh, in an unbiased way. It was looked at at people whose jobs 
I mean, I mean, none of the people at the FDA are even allowed to take money from, uh, even invest. In, you know, they, they, you know, the way they handle their income streams are such that there's no way the companies can really influence their thought processes, and that's been, you know, there, there's all kinds of ethics things about that. So these data were looked at in an objective, unbiased way, and despite the enthusiasm for it, the people at the FDA, their job is to say, yeah, you scored a touchdown on this one, or you scored a field goal, and so that's what their job is. Full approval means that, means that we've we've had enough data, we can be more confident in being able to say this is approved for full use in the United States. So that's what those two designations mean. But the notion that uh, when when the vaccines were approved for emergency use authorization, that they were just thrown out of the public and that we're all guinea pigs, that doesn't characterize what the process is. What it means is that they, they, they were, in essence, approved for the length of time that we had data, and that the risk of not offering it to the public was much higher than the risk of offering it to the public. The other thing is that the FDA, when you look at drugs, now a licensed physician can sometimes use a drug, uh, you know, however they want to prescribe it, but they, all, they of course, have to be able to justify that decision based on their, their knowledge, research, et cetera. Uh, but when the FDA approves a drug, they also approve what's called an indication. In other words, they say, this drug is approved and it's, a dr- it's approved for use in these diseases for these reasons. And so that's the other thing. And when you, you know, like a cancer drug, there are a lot of cancer drugs that you wouldn't just put in a pharmacy and you know, over the counter because the side effects are real, are, are real. You're willing to put up with real side effects if you've got a disease that will kill you in six months. And I, I sorry for this tutorial or this, uh, but, but the take home <laughs> message is that the FDA is really careful about the data. The professionals that work there are very committed to mission, and the CDC's job is to make sure that the best advice goes out to the public and that we're surveilling how the disease is progressing. The FDA's job is to provide reassurance that tools we have available to deal with this are scientifically proven you know, as best as possible and to continue surveilling reports from the public and from providers so that if, if, if side effect profiles do emerge, they can revisit that. Uh, but that's the uh, uh, so the, the approval for Pfizer for the Pfizer drug means that there was enough data that covered a long enough period of time that the reviewers of the vaccine uh, had enough data to, to make a you know to make a reasonable and and careful assessment of the risk benefit ratio. And this is the Carolina Contractor Show today. Our special guest, Dr. David Peden, he's a senior associate dean of translational research at UNC. And we're talking about COVID and how it can affect uh, where you work, uh, your home. We just a few minutes ago, we were mentioning ventilation systems and masks. And now you're talking about with the FDA that their messaging, if you go to the FDA or the CDC, there's no political angle to it. They just state facts. But this leads me to a, a side question. A lot of people who have had COVID, so they have the antibodies are wondering, am I more immune to having a breakthrough case and someone who just had the vaccine? And why, if you've had COVID, should you get the vaccine anyway? So that's a great question. Uh, there are data emerging. And, and frankly, we're, we're seeing some of the same thing here at UNC, where people who have natural COVID, they, you know, not because of a vaccine, that, you know, we find evidence of antibodies and those antibodies wane over time. Uh, they actually kind of go away. Now, there's a lot that goes into immunity. The antibody is one reflection of that. Some of it is not as easily assessed. But the, when you look at the at the clinical data about who's being admitted, it's pretty clear that the vaccine gives better protection than an episode of COVID does. That doesn't mean that's not true for every virus. Most people who were who had chickenpox as a kid 
have have years of protection as a result of that infection. Mm -hmm. But even in that case, that's why we have the Shingrix vaccine, and that's why people that are in middle age or older age are recommended to be re-immunized against chickenpox because that because that immune response gets tired after a while, and 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 it begin and, it, and it's, it's like it's like your muscles. You know, your immune system is like a muscle. Uh, you know, if you don't work out, you're going to get weaker. If you don't work out, you know, when you were, I'm going to guess that most people. 10 years ago could pick up a lot more weight than they might be able to now, unless they go to the gym regular. Vaccines are like going to the immunologic gym. Uh, they prepare your immune system to deal with the actual event when it comes. For those who've had COVID, I'm not going to say that your body doesn't have some protection. Your body is an amazing thing and you do have some protection, but the, the data as they're falling out now is that is that having COVID versus getting the vaccine, if you look at Who's, in, who's being admitted to the hospital? There are people who are being admitted to the hospital and not doing well who had a prior episode of COVID. But 99% of the people that are being admitted are unimmunized people. Hey, doctor, um, before we run out of time, I wanted to ask you a couple more things. Um, I know one hot topic is the variants that we're hearing so much about. Can you uh, elaborate on the variants, what that is and how we test for it or just uh, exactly what the danger is for a new variant? Well, so what is a variant uh, anyway? All viruses, all biological systems can modify themselves over time. Because of the life cycle of viruses, this happens fairly quickly. So those mutations and those changes in, in, uh, in, on a molecular level, those subtle mutations, result in changes in the, in the, in the protein and the, you know, the protein biology of the virus that it changes some of the characteristics of it. But what people worry about is that the variants will become so variable that the vaccines that were designed with this, you know, with the RNA that results in your body making the pro making a, the the fine protein that your body can make an immune response against uh, will be different enough that you will not have the same kind of disease pro uh, protection. Uh, thus far, you know, the Delta variant and the upcoming mu variant, it, it appears that the vaccine offers reasonable protection against those things. It's not that you you may get infected. But the course of your infection, actually, you're, you're still less likely, much less likely to get infected. And if you are infected, the likelihood of you having a serious life-threatening hospitalizable illness is much, 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 much less. There's orders of magnitude less than if you were immunized. So that's why the CDC surveils these things to get a sense of what the natural history is, what happens with folks that acquire the, the mu variant. Uh, that's why the Delta variant has become or is becoming the, the the dominant strain now is because uh, you know we we have defenses against the other strains and they don't replicate as much because because our bodies fight them off the mu variant uh, and, and the delta variants are different so they're they're a slightly different animal it's like comparing a German shepherd to us to a pool <laughs> they're not so different from each other that the vaccines lose too much effectiveness but they are different enough that the natural history will be different uh, it comes down to it's still the same things are helpful. Vaccines are still very helpful. Masking, hand washing, you know, routine public health measures are also helpful. When you make a risk assessment, you're looking at the likelihood of you becoming ill, and you're also looking at the likelihood of you contracting virus, whether you're symptomatic or not, and then bringing it home to people you care about. In that context, I advise all my patients that, uh, you know, Masking in public places, masking where there's going to be congregation, uh, being vaccinated are all commonsensical things. And those are things that can protect you uh, regardless of, uh, of any other factor. 
Hey, as we get closer to the end of the show, I wanted to ask you to maybe comment on your recommendations for what people should do as uh, the weather turns colder. I know I made a reference last show that you did with us that a lot of these things kind of fall in the category of things we should have done anyway, uh, not necessarily the mask before we had a pandemic, but uh, in terms of everybody just being more cleanly and, and trying not to transmit viruses of any kind, um, I know that that, like I said, that's things that we should have been more conscientious of before we had to deal with the pandemic. But in terms of what you would recommend as we move through fall and into winter, what what would you recommend folks do? A very tried and true method uh, of disease protection is hand washing. Either washing your hands and singing the happy birthday do- song or pick another song that you like better that's that lasts for as long. Van Halen. <laughs> if you can pull off Van Halen, better for you. But uh, but but you can, and sing it for a long time. But washing your hands in, in, in warm water with lots of soap is great. Uh, another great thing is to use uh, the the uh, you know the hand sanitizer that also does a good job of uh, cleaning your hands. Uh, what's very clear is that good hand hygiene is a really important thing. That's true for everything. I mean, if you're a patient in a hospital and people are coming in and out and you've not seen them either use the hand sanitizer or washing their hands before they're doing something for you, you should ask them, you know, have you washed your hands? I mean, that I can't tell you how common and important that is. And we've been talking about that in hospital settings since before this thing ever was, it, it was a science fiction movie. I mean, it, you know, we, we've always been in the hand washing. Uh, so that's, that's item number one. Item number two is that if you have a cold, if you know you're symptomatic, if you catch something, and the, and the reason that, you know, there's a natural history of when viruses are around, and there is also the, when it's colder outside, people congregate in indoor settings more. Mm-hmm. But if you have a cold, uh, you know, if there's any way you can do your job, without being present when the cold is there, if you have a cold and, and if you know you're symptomatic, there you should wear a mask to protect the people around you. And you should, and you should strive to keep distance. You know, the difference with coronavirus versus rhinovirus, which is a cause for the common cold, is that, is that rhinovirus kills virtually nobody, whereas coronavirus kills about 2% of people who get a full-blown case of it mm. uh, prior to vaccines. You know, and that's that's a big number from an epidemiology perspective. But the procedures to protect yourself from the viruses are not a lot different. So hand washing and hand washing and and, you know, when you're around people in a public setting that you don't really know, masking is is not a bad idea. Uh, And when you and when you yourself have a cold, defer as much as you feasibly can, uh, you know, your exposure to the people. Now, if you have a job that requires you to be there and you have a cold, there are still lots of hand washing and wearing a mask can still be helpful. So those are, you know, those things we should be paying attention to. I also want to point out that there are other there are other airborne diseases that are worth being immunized against. Uh, the influenza vaccine, which by the way was a gold standard, is not as effective as the current coronavirus vaccines are for coronavirus, but it's still very effective. And people should get their flu shots as well. And uh, and likewise, when you are, uh, you know, for people that are older, uh, especially people that are older, there's a uh, and and kids also get this. You know, I would get the uh, pneumococcal vaccine, uh, and all those things kind of become more problematic, and they feed off of each other in the winter time. Uh, so I would make sure that your immunization status is up to that. If you have any question about that, you should ask your your primary healthcare provider to review your immunization status and see what what, what might be helpful to you. Vaccines in general are actually really good things. Uh, you know, when I hear people being somewhat vaccine skeptic, 
Uh, I, I'll use, uh, I'll make a, a sports simile. Professional sports teams, they train really hard. They exercise really hard. They prepare their bodies for the game they're going to get into. What happens? Your muscles are sore. You ache. You, you're uncomfortable as a result of that training. But ultimately, that training prepares you. When you get a vaccine, a lot of times, you, you, some vaccines give you a little bit of a fever. Sometimes you get really achy. Your body just went to the gym. And that's what's going on there. There are dangerous reactions that can occur. If you had anaphylaxis, if you had a, a life-threatening allergic emergency, if you had ongoing fever and things that was very atypical for vaccine, you should talk with your doctor about that. There are very real vaccine reactions, but they are they pale in frequency in comparison to actually getting sick and in the vast majority of the population who can tolerate vaccines well. So vaccine status, hand washing, masking as appropriate, all those things can be helpful when in the public. That doesn't mean you don't go out in public necessarily. That doesn't mean you don't go grocery shopping. There there are people that are going to go to sporting events. Now, there's policy issues there. People have gone back and forth about whether we should be doing that now. But if you are going to go to those things, you know, frankly, wear a mask and take some hand sanitizer with you and, and be vaccinated before you go to the football game. Well, great advice and great insight. Again, we want to thank Dr. David Peden, Senior Associate Dean of Translational Research at UNC, for your insight on COVID and things you can do to be prepared for the cold weather and winters we move into it. And I hope for the future, uh, Doctor, that when we talk to you, we're talking about Donnie installing a dojo in your house because we have COVID <laughs> under control. Aren't you a black belt, Doc? Uh, I am, uh, but I'd be happy with an attic fan. Okay, sure. Well, I know someone you can contact. Donnie Blanchard, general contractor, also owner of SureTop Roofing. And if you want to, doctor, his website is SureTopRoofing.com. <laughs> Thank you again, Dr. David Peden, for joining us on today's show. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. And then we'll put all this information up on the website, TheCarolinaContractor.com. It's kind of deep. You want to listen to the show a couple of times. That's the advantage of doing the download of the podcast and all the other past shows we have up there. Again, just go to the website, TheCarolinaContractor.com. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope to see you, or even better, you hear us next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Your roof is the most important part of your home. Make sure you're protected with SureTop Roofing. We're locally owned, operated, and have been proudly serving Alamance County for the last decade. Plus, we offer a 50-year warranty on our shingles and 10 years on labor. If you're a veteran, ask us about our Roofs for Troops rebate program. Visit SureTopRoofing.com and listen to our weekly radio show at TheCarolinaContractor.com. SureTop Roofing, we've got you covered.